I thought it was time for a theme song change, so let's ease into the episode real quick. Just take a listen. going to be another week of FritzCast for you guys. And what are we talking about this week? Well, a new theme song, new logos, new everything. That's right. A little retooling and retweaking. I'll talk a little bit about that. We also have the current state of the Libertarian Party, the current state of the Trump administration, and a viral video of a police arrest over a blood drawing that took the forefront this past week. A little bit more behind that story and my thoughts coming up. What's up, everybody? It is Tuesday, September 5th, 2017. And how are y'all doing? Yes, we have a new theme song here at FritzCast. That song is by a band called Jerrytown. The the band is now, for all intents and purposes that I know of, defunct, but you could still buy and support the artist. Uh, that's actually my buddy, Dustin Christensen. Uh, growing up throughout, I would say, I, I guess high school. It might have been late middle school as well. Uh, I bought his albums from Jerrytown. Fell in love with that band uh, for various reasons. Stumbled across them, really. Uh, back in my uh, back in my Mormon days, because they were part of they were tapped to do a lot of the soundtracks for the Mormon movie craze that popped up in the two thousand in the two thousands, and uh, they provide a lot of music. I thought they were a good you know rock jam band type of thing. Fell in love with them. Have everything that they released is Jerrytown. I have a couple of uh, uh, rare demo-like things that uh, he's done and some live tracks that he uh, did over the radio and things like that that you could record <laughs> if you were crafty like I was. Uh, Dustin is a really cool guy, though. He, he does a lot of solo stuff now. I still follow him. He was on The Voice about a year or so ago. Uh, I think he's a very talented artist. Uh, and growing up through my high school years, I've, been, I've had the opportunity to communicate with him over the Internet a couple of times back and forth you know just little messages of fandom and and things like that but he's the type that will you know connect with you because you're a fan of his work so uh, I got this uh I got the idea the other day I go through musical phases uh everybody knows I'm a metal head and everybody knows I'm a metal head and a hard rocker and and things like that uh but I, I love all types of music really from spanning from all different types of genres I'm actually a huge uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Soundtrack orchestra 
Like, if it's a movie soundtrack with an orchestra, uh, especially with a choir mixed in, I'm a sucker for that kind of music. Uh, and so it, it, it spans all across the board. It, of course, goes back into Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley and, and things of that nature as well. Uh, so I was listening to the album Love and Sirens by Jerry Town. It's probably the last album that they put out, and it was only six tracks, I think. And one of the songs on it was the one that you heard open the podcast, uh, Let It Out. Uh, really love it. It's like a punchy, it's a punchy, you know, grindy type of song. Plus, uh, there's something about the way Dustin sings. Uh, I, I feel like he sings with a raw emotion and a powerful voice. That's very, like a powerful and somewhat unique voice. It's some That's one of the things I've always liked about him. Uh, so... In the description of this, and from henceforth, as long as I'm using the song as a theme song, uh, I let me back up and slow down. I actually messaged him over the weekend, and uh, I said, you know, hey man, how you doing? I uh, hope things are well. You know, that type of business. And I brought up Jerrytown. It was like I was listening to, you know, Love and Sirens. And Let It Out really sticks out to me, man. I've been podcasting for well over a year and a half now, approaching two years. And I've been trying to find a theme song. And I would really like to use that. I don't even know where to begin in using that and and getting permission for that. And he sent me a message back and he goes, hey, man, yeah, usually it's, you know, X, Y, Z for licensing and all that. He said, you know what, You, you love the song, you supported the band for so long, just go ahead and use it. Just throw a link in there, let people know that they can still buy this stuff. You know, and support the band, but but feel free to use it. Just credit it. And I said, I said that's awesome. That's part of the reason why I'm still a huge fan of Dustin and his work. And if you look up Dustin Christensen on the Voice, you can see some of the work he did on the uh, on the Voice when he was on uh, a couple of seasons ago. Uh, I, I know one of the songs he sang was down tra- was Downtown Train, uh, and he also duetted. I forget who he duetted with. Also a, a pretty good uh, artist that was on The Voice. But he duetted with uh, somebody on the song Walking in Memphis, which was, which was, again, really good. But yeah, look up Dustin Christensen. Uh, if you want the Jerrytown song that you just heard, open up and you're going to be hearing for a while now because it's the new theme song of Fritzcast. Uh, if you want to hear that, if you want to own it, it's really, it's not expensive. It's not expensive anymore to, to buy these things. Head to Amazon.com. Head to iTunes. I'm going to have a link up uh, with the file here so that you can go obtain it. Um, I, I would implore you to check it out. I loved Jerry Town's debut album. It's very different from what you just heard. And their uh, sophomore album, uh, Way Out Waiting, also jam-packed full of just good rock songs. Good rock songs and not not your typical junk random filler i mean like i really do this is this is music that got me this was music that helped step me into broadening my musical horizons and liking different things so these albums and and the band jerry town and dustin holds a special place in my music appreciation in my music in my music appreciating heart so check them out i implore you check them out you might also notice, too, uh, new logos. New logos are up for the podcast. Uh, new banners up for all the websites. I decided to go 
Uh, if you didn't check out the blog, allow me to uh, shamelessly chill for a moment. What was it? Sometime last week, I posted. I finally posted a blog. My last blog before this blog was August 10th, and it was called Race to Armageddon. And then I did Rally Around the Flag. That was posted August 31st. Rally Around the Flag is the one I've been talking about doing. That's the blog post about my flag collection. I'm not going to dive into details because you can go read it on fritzcast.wordpress.com. Also, will be provided in the description for your easy-clicking accessibility. I, uh, I I collect historical flags though. That's the this is that's the the gist of it. I, I collect a lot of historical flags, a lot of American historical flags, and I explain why, and it it, it ties into a, an appreciation of American history, especially the Civil War, uh, but it also ties into how Francis Scott Key wrote the words that would become, you know, our national anthem. And it's so, it, 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 the whole thing with flags, and, and it came up, mind you, because of this whole Antifa BS thing that we see going on every day now. Uh, it, it stemmed from the Confederate flag controversy that's, that, that has been, it's kind of been going on for the past couple of years. Uh, every, everybody talking about how that is a flag of racism, uh, a symbol of oppression and all that. Now, I can actually agree with that. I don't fly any Confederate flag whatsoever because I don't believe that those are things that should be flown nowadays. And definitely it's been tried, people have tried to adopt it as something else for this day and age. Yeah, you know, it's a touchy subject. I own what people believe to be the Confederate flag. That, That blue cross, that X with the stars in the blue X uh, in that blue field. I own a couple of those flags. I don't fly them. I have them. They're part of my collection of historical flags. And I've had to explain it to people before because they'll maybe they'll come over to my house and I have my flag collection lying out and about or whatever. Um, I don't fly my historical collected flags except for I have a spot here in my office here where I do the you know the podcast and I do a lot of work on the computer and all that. I have a spot to hang up my flags, and I just kind of rotate what I have. Right now, for example, I have up the flag of the Irish Brigade from the Civil War time period, and I love it. I love it. I have it because of my uh, deep, rich Irish heritage, you know, that type of thing. And it's it, it it's a beautiful flag. But the thing is, is that each of these flags, they have certain meanings, connotations, histories behind them, and I think it's important to know what they are, what the history behind them is, you know. Some of them are very intricate designs. The flag of the Irish Brigade, for example, uh, and this is all, by the way, this is all in the blog post, so go read the blog post. But in the flag of the Irish Brigade, there's lots of traditional Irish things that were implemented in that flag. Uh, There's lots of reasoning, symbolism, and meaning behind what's in the Confederate battle flag. And the flag that, by the way, the flag that you think is the Confederate national flag or the flag that the Confederacy used, you might be you might be surprised to find that it's not the flag that was ever representative of the Confederate States of America. So I go through uh, many pictures of uh, some of the flags that I have, 
and some of the flags that I want, which ties into the changes of the logos. Uh, the, the logos for the podcast now are now yellow with the coiled snake from the Gadsden flag. The, uh, the don't tread on me flag. Why that one? Well, because it, it again, foc- takes the focus from where we are now in this crazy mixed up world that I believe we're in to revering and echoing some of the originality of the inception of the nation of this don't tread on me. The individual rights are more important than the state. Individuals are more important than the collective. Very deep, hard-to-talk-about subjects. It's easy to say that we should snap our fingers and have the government take care of everybody. It's very easy to do that. What's hard to do is talk about what rights and what freedoms get sacrificed when we start moving towards collectivism. And that's up to and including what kind of collectivism or socialism are we talking about. Because almost none of it is based on volunteerism. All of it is based on coercion, force, and... Well, at the end of the day, the individual doesn't matter in those scenarios. The collective does. And I think we're hitting this point in our world where people are, the the, the lines, the fine lines and the balances are being so blurred that uh, you see some ridiculous arguments. Uh, One of the arguments, Hurricane Harvey sweeps into Texas, Texas being devastated. Joel Osteen has to, you know, go under political pressure uh, and social media pressure to open his church doors, even though it's 2017 and everybody should be smart enough to know that if you're not, if you don't play the game, people are going to pick up on it. It's 2017. This is a 24-7 news cycle world. So uh, enough about Joel Osteen, though. The whole thing is that I've seen people bicker and argue about Texas over over a, a very damaging hurricane, which, by the way, like I said last week, seeing the images of people coming together and helping out complete and total strangers because they've all been affected by that, that's great. That's also private people doing things privately without government incentive and without the government actually doing anything. So before we talk about how socialism is helping Texas, uh, people there helping out, that's not, that's not socialism. That's not, that's not a form of government. That's people. That's people doing good things for other people. It's not the government doing it. Is the government doing things? Yeah, sure. The government is doing things. That's to be expected. But people make a greater impact than the government ever could. But I just think it's sad that here we sit and we argue. There's people that push memes and and argue on the internet about, 
this is the form of government that you guys are criticizing all the time. Look at this socialism cleaning up Hurricane Harvey. It's it's not. It's you're grasping at straws. Plus, why are we arguing about this? Let's just help the people who got hit by Hurricane Harvey. Because we are talking about literally millions of people. Millions. On that, um, there's Hurricane Irma, which everybody was freaking out about. Everybody up here in Delaware was freaking out about Hurricane Irma because of some clickbait website that popped up trying to get people to click on it, talking about how Hurricane Irma was going to be a Category 6 hurricane and directly hitting the uh, Delmarva Peninsula, which every track that I've seen of it has it staying down south with maybe one or two predictions of it swinging up the coast, but 95% of the other predictions is straight. Uh, Unfortunately, one of those predictions was straight into Texas, which would be devastating. Absolutely devastating. And that's another thing that that comes to mind, too. Gas prices, of course, have have spiked a little bit uh, because of Hurricane Harvey. I had an argument the other day with somebody about gas prices because they felt that this was price gouging and that this was just making, this was just the opportunity for people to make a lot of money uh, off the American consumer and spike gas prices nationwide. People who don't have a fundamental understanding of the supply and demand and where where the refineries are in this nation. Just to give you an example, I'm taking this from CNBC. Uh, talking about uh, article talking about gas prices jumping to a two-year high. Prices at the pump jumped sharply by Friday morning with another 20 to 30 cents per gallon hike expected. The national average rose by 7 cents per gallon to 2.52 from Thursday. The national average right now is sitting around 2.50-ish. And rising sharply... Because what people don't understand is that uh, they're still assessing damages from Hurricane Harvey. Refineries are just going to be starting to be coming back online. And according to this article, uh, about 1.8 million barrels of refining capacity is expected to come back online soon. But they don't know when. They don't know exactly when. And this whole thing about the gas prices. Right now, uh, apparently, according to this article at least anyway... The experts are saying gas could rise all the way up to about 275 per gallon before it starts being able to scale back to the prices that we have so become accustomed to. Gas prices is something that people really couldn't have complained about over the past couple years uh, because gas was sitting around $2 a gallon. Most places, uh, maybe 230 was the highest that I had seen on a normal level, depending on where I was traveling. And I do a lot of traveling on the road driving uh, between Delaware and Texas, Delaware and Oklahoma, Delaware and Virginia, uh, some some of the tri-state area as well. Uh, I do a lot of driving. And, yeah, you know, gas right now, this, this was something. I went to BJ's yesterday with my wife. We were grocery shopping. And so the gas obviously has spiked up, obviously. Uh, I plan accordingly. So I know the gas prices are up now. 
I used to be in the bad habit and still occasionally am where I let my gas go but below a quarter of a tank left and go to fill up. And yeah, I mean at the at 2 bucks or 2.10 a gallon. It's not bad, right? At 2.54 a gallon, well, the number looks intimidating, but it's still not bad. But I plot accordingly. I go fill up at half a tank when these times come. I might go fill up at three quarters of a tank just because at this point, just so it looks in my head a little bit different, like like a little different of a number. But me and my wife were in BJ's Wholesale Club, and they had some promotion going on where you could save, you know, if you buyed, if you, if, if you buyed, if you bought two qualifying items, you would get 25 cents off a gallon. And in my head, I was like, 25 cents a gallon. So if it's two fifty ish and twenty five cents off, that puts it back maybe just a couple of cents above the ballpark where it was like two weeks ago. But I'd have to buy two qualified uh, two qualifying items, which would probably be about ten bucks a pop. So that's twenty bucks right there. Am I actually saving any money on the gas? And you sit there and you do the math and you figure out, well, wait, why would I spend $20 on two qualifying items so I can get $0.25 off per gallon of gas, which sounds really nice, but then you realize you only need seven gallons of gas and after four gallons you saved a dollar. Does that make sense? It's not all that bad if you plan accordingly. Now, mind you, my tune will change if gas hit $3 or more. Because I'd be like, Jesus Christ, I don't need to drive anymore. Honey, looks like I'm pedaling to work. I'm leaving like an hour and a half earlier so I can get there on time. You know, maybe get a shower so I can, you know, not smell like a bag of garbage when I go to work. But yeah, 250 I'm not going to complain that much. Especially considering that I don't live in Texas and I didn't just lose a house or a family member or memories or have my whole life shaken up. It's called counting your blessings. I don't think people do it often enough. It's also why we should be focusing and giving help to the people in Texas as people. Yes, the government, we, we, we should have the government providing things, but individuals should be as freely open as possible to do what they want to to help those people in Texas. But that's where that's that's what I'm talking about. Perspectives and counting my blessings. Oh god, gas is 254. Oh wait. Maybe I shouldn't complain about that because the roof over my head is intact. So no, I'm not going to sit here and bitch and whine and moan about national gas prices going up. And how that might have put a damper or increased expenses on Labor Day weekend because there's people in Texas who didn't get to enjoy their Labor Day weekend. More so to the extent that I didn't get to enjoy my Labor Day weekend because I work in a field where you don't get three-day weekends. It's just petty. So I'm hoping that Irma doesn't do damage. And it's slamming into Puerto Rico. It's going to rip through Cuba. Not much is known about what track it follows after that. But I'm hoping that Texas doesn't have to 
get more thrown on top of it. Just because it's going to be a, a while for them to clean up and get things straightened out from Harvey. And that's, uh, again, that's not wishing ill. That's not wishing Irma and ill on other people. It's just... You hope these things don't happen. You hope Mother Nature doesn't show its dark side, but it does. Tornadoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, what have you. Now I want to take focus to the, the viral video that went out of the nurse that was arrested in Utah. Uh, and here's the thing, too. These videos always come to surface like well after the event happened. Like everybody's, everybody's talking about it. Like it happened yesterday. But that's that's the thing about these videos. These videos, it's always like weeks to a month or more later that they get released to the public. And then it becomes some national outrage type of thing. The nurse's name was Alex Wobbles, 41 years old. Uh, the Salt Lake City Police Department uh, Detective Jeff Payne arrested her when she refused to draw a patient's blood. Uh, there's some key factors in here. The, the patient that they wanted blood drawn from was uh, unconscious, so could not consent to a blood withdrawal. And there was no warrant to get the guy's blood. Period. The end. Uh, apparently, pain was under rule of his watch commander who said you either get the blood or you arrest her for you know obstruction of justice and if you watch the video he did mr Payne here becomes very irate because the answer that he's getting is no because the hospital policy is no not only that but so is the law and so he you know forcibly arrests her <laughs> which you know, exactly. It, it rushes her out of the hospital, very physical and aggressive with somebody who isn't simply just saying we're not doing this and, and unless you have unless you have some documentation saying that this is going to happen, that this needs to happen on a legal basis. It's not happening right now. Uh, a pure example of somebody of not having the proper job knowledge, not having the proper training uh at, this, this is the type of thing that everybody, you know, I've said it time and again. I'm in law enforcement of sorts. I'm in corrections. And when I see stories like this, I go, this is exactly why we face so much flack every day. It's, it's for these stories that pop out. And, you know, some people, when I talk with them from work and all that, they're right. These stories take the forefront of the news media, but part of the reason is because they're so wrong when they happen. This was this was so wrong when it happened. Uh, just reading from an art, uh, just reading from the article here. Uh, Payne and the second art officer have been placed on paid administrative leave pending the investigation. The second officer wasn't identified. The second officer didn't actually actively participate, but he didn't actively try to stop. Mr. Payne as well, or Officer Payne, however you want to <laughs> classify it at this point. 
Um, in a written report obtained by the Salt Lake Tribune, Payne said he needed a blood sample to determine whether the patient had illicit substances in his system at the time of the crash. Prosecutors have called for a criminal investigation. NBC News has reached out to Payne for comment. No comment, however. Wubbles has been interviewed uh, a couple times over now and says, quote, I feel a sense of urgency for this conversation. We need to make this better. This can't be happening. If I have anything to say about it, it won't happen again. Her attorney, Kara Porter, added a civil lawsuit is not off the table, but not actively being pursued as we talk about. Um, among other things, if, if we scroll down further in this uh, NBC News article, uh, it says Salt Lake City Police have updated their blood, or rather, mind you, the Supreme Court in 2016 ruled that a blood sample can't be taken without patient consent or a warrant, neither of which were had here. The Salt Lake City Police updated their blood draw policy, quote, right away to match the hospitals, and department has already retrained officers on the updated policy. Police have met with hospital officials within 24 hours to figure out what we needed to change to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, quote, we really have a strong tie to nurses that we work with. The police interact with nurses multiple times a day sometimes, and we never want to fracture that relationship. Things that people don't um, think about uh, in that stretch. Uh, quote, we look at the incident very serious, seriously from the moment we found out about it and have been working really diligently with Miss Wubble's attorney and herself trying to make sure that no one in the medical profession ever needs to fear a police officer here. It's so sad we've had this rift in our relationship with the medical community and we're working hard to fix that, end quote. This... Again, going back to it, this is an example that this is what people point out and say those cops are just dickheads. This is this is what people look at. Like the, I'm just saying it bluntly. This is what people say and this is what people do in these situations because they look at this. And if you watch the video, you'll see there's a jackass with a badge who thinks that he can do whatever he wants or do whatever his boss tells him to do, lawful or not. I have an understanding of my standard operating procedures in my building and my policies. I know that if I am given a directive that goes against policy or would be unlawful, that my first course of action is to inform my superior, you do realize this is against policy and or unlawful, correct, to clarify. And if they tell me again to do what is against policy and or unlawful, that my job as a subordinate is to carry out the order but document. Which I don't believe happened here. I believe this guy was told by his higher-ups, well, then you arrest her. And he just said, gotcha. You're pissing me off. You're dragging my day out. You're under arrest. You're coming with me. I don't care. I don't care. That It's bad. It's a bad look. For your department, it's a bad look for anybody that wears a badge. It's a bad stigma to fight when it gets built up. And that's part of the reason why, especially when it seems to be 100% in the wrong, I don't defend it. That's why I don't. There's a stigma to me putting on my uniform every day. There's, there's a stigma. There's people that I know look at me and either give me dirty looks or prejudge me based on the uniform that I'm wearing, 
despite the fact that I might not even had any interaction with them whatsoever. So stories like this one, go out and watch the viral video, man. Because it's terrible. It literally is terrible. And it's a case of maybe this, you know, there's always a bad egg somewhere. Every Everybody has a bad egg. But you can't sit sit up and just pat the bad egg, bad egg on the back and say, ah, you know, it's just this one bad egg. You got to get rid of the bad egg. In her interviews, Miss Miss Wobbles have stated that, you know, they've asked her, do you think he should be off the street? She's like, that's not my determination to make. It's not. It's really not. But this incident, he does need to answer for this incident. He does need to answer for, you know, what drove him to be so aggressive, what drove him to arresting me, that that type of thing. And mind you, we, we talk about this all the time. Well, if people would just comply with the police. Well, did she comply in this case? No. Uh, and it starts bringing to light that whole side of the police officer should be 100% correct and confident and that what he is doing is lawful or what she is doing is lawful because you get into this, you get into this hairy situation where, you know, should she have fully complied with the officer in this case? Not really. Um, they were on the phone going through this, and they were demanding a blood sample. And, and the other thing, too, is that, yes, I'm in law enforcement. I'm also a staunch defender of liberty and the Constitution and individual rights and the Fourth Amendment. So uh, it's not hairy territory for me to stand up and say, I believe that's wrong, and it needs to be dealt with immediately in the right way, and not in the way of, oh, we're just going to rewrite the law to say that if it's under suspicion or reasonable assumption that the person was under the influence of some substances, we can just go ahead and draw blood. No, that's not the right way. Catch my drift. Check that story out. It was crazy. But noted, note this, that happened in July. It happened July 26th. When does everybody actually know about it? Now, end of August, beginning of September, that's when people actually know about it. Now, let's uh, switch focus over to El Presidente, why don't we? Donald Trump. Uh, Haven't talked about him in a while, haven't I? Uh, How about uh, today it's expected that we're going to hear for his plan to phase out the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Immigration Policy, DACA, the Dreamers Act, you know, as they so attach to it, the Dreamers. Um, According to two administration officials, and this is coming from ABC News, by the way, uh, here's the policy to be announced later today. Bullet point one, the administration won't consider new applications for legal status dated after September 5th. If you are not already protected by the program, you are out of luck, although applications filed before Tuesday that are pending will continue to be processed. Anyone who has a DACA permit expiring between now and March 5th, 2018 can apply for a two-year renewal. That application must be submitted by October 5th. Some DREAMers, those with permits that expire between now and March 5th, will be eligible for legal status for another two-plus years. For others, legal status ends as early as March 6th. But officials insist that even if Congress fails to enact a new protection for the Dreamers, they will not be rounded up and deported. Officials say the priority for deportation will continue to be undocumented immigrants who have committed crimes. 
on top of all that, Donald Trump tweeted out, of course, uh, the best and most presidential medium form of communication these days at 8.04 a.m. this very morning, Donald, Day, John, Donald J. Trump on his at real Donald Trump Twitter handle said, Congress, get ready to do your job, DACA. So cryptic. He's so descriptive and cryptic and all that. So what's the libertarian take on uh, DACA? That's, that's, that's been my question. Here I am, a good little libertarian person. What's, um, what, what, what is my, you know, what, what, what is DACA? What, what, what does that mean? What, what, what does that do? You see, and it's weird because as a libertarian-ish type of person, I don't say libertarian party because, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But being a libertarian-ish type of person, I have moved away from strictly America, American, isn't it all great that we were born here and have this? I believe that the inalienable rights that the Declaration of Independence talks about, where it says all men, I believe that they meant the entirety of the world. And if they meant the entirety of the world, that means I have to look at it from a worldview. And and I, I'm going to read this off of uh, somebody's blog. His name's Wesley, and uh, he runs The Humble Libertarian HumbleLibertarian.com. He just posted this up yesterday. Uh, quote, this is not a partisan tirade. I did not vote for Clinton or, or, or Obama either time. So I'm just reflex. So I'm not just reflexively criticizing Donald Trump for this because he's Trump and has an R next to his name. In one sentence, none of this is any of the federal government's business. Both DACA and the repeal of DACA are example of big government run amok. If I want to hire someone, that's their work permit. They now are permitted to work for me. It's my business. Because I am paying them to, and I give them permission to. It's my money to pay them, and it's my business to decide. We don't need any extra permission from anyone else. We're grown-ups. We can decide. It doesn't matter where that person was born either. That's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Why should the place someone was born make them have any less rights than anyone else? We're all people. Do conservatives think that God cares where a person was born? Do the birds and the beasts know about borders? The truth is, is that treating human beings differently based on an imaginary line on the ground is one of our worst sins. It's dehumanizing and it's wrong and it's abusive and tyrannical. It's a form of apartheid. This is not a new or radical position. It's settled wisdom and conclusion of our ancestors taken seriously. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. If I want to pay someone to do a job and they want to work for me, that is our business, not Washington's. Doesn't matter where they were born. This is an A-B conversation and Washington needs to see its way out. If I want to accept somebody's rent payment to let them live in my apartment complex, that's our business, not Washington's. Doesn't matter where they were born. That's an A-B conversation. Washington needs to see its way out. If I want to sell someone a car, food, insurance, and they want to buy it, that's our business, not Washington's. It's just a different perspective and a different view to put out there. All right? Forbes would tell you how costly it'll be for the immediate repeal of DACA. Uh, uh, Libertarian studies have found that migrant children didn't cross the border because of Obama's executive action. Now, you can go on Cato, which is a libertarian think tank, and it'll tell you about how expensive 
repealing DACA could be. Um, does that mean that I don't think that it needs to be looked at or tweaked or, you know, everything Everything needs to come under the microscope. Everything needs to look at its efficiency and whether or not it's working well and whether or not it's a good endeavor to follow. But a lot of this seems like the same old Donald Trump fluff. Uh, if you If you recall, Donald Trump talked about the, for example, transgender military ban and then it disappeared for the longest time and then just last week he quote signed it in the law despite the fact that General Mattis has put a hold on it stating quote our focus must always be on what is best for the military's combat effectiveness leading to victory on the battlefield to that end I will establish a panel of experts serving within the Department of Defense and Homeland Security to provide advice and recommendations on the implementation of the president's direction Mattis added that he will quote bring mature experience, most notably in combat and deployed operations, and seasoned judgment to this task. The panel will assemble and thoroughly analyze all pertinent data, quantifiable and non-quantifiable. So you have Trump pushing something and Matt is saying, mm -mm, hey, hold on, pump the brakes. I have to do studies to see if this will even work out or how this will work out and what's the best plan for whatever it is you want. Just... Just put, throwing it out there. That, that This is the world that we live in. DACA, I have very mixed feelings about because people should be allowed to come into this country. Uh, it should be relatively easy for somebody who wants to migrate into this country and be a productive member of society. It should be relatively easy for them to do that. They shouldn't have to go through a lot of hurdles and it shouldn't be costly and expensive. There shouldn't be a way that people can just come here and have a kid, for example, and their kid's automatically a citizen with the protections, and they automatically get the citizenship as well. That's a hairy territory that needs a lot of discussion and debate. The, the forefront and the focus should be reforming immigration policy itself to make things easier for people who want to come into the country. Because that's the country that we've always been, accepting and wanting the diversity especially of those who want to come to America and be a part of the greatest nation on the face of the earth. That's not bloated. That's truth. Now, the Libertarian Party, as I was talking about earlier, the, the, the great uh, back and forth going on. People don't seem to be agreeing with party chairman Nicholas Sarwark, which... He's, he, it's an up and down thing. I never fully agree with everyone. You know, I don't agree 100% with everyone on everything. I don't. I'm getting ready to listen to Jason Stapleton had an interview with Nicholas Sarwark that got very heated. Jason Stapleton is an upcoming, you know, uh, very popular podcaster with libertarian leanings. I don't like to say libertarian, and he, in fact, taught me. You know, don't be all happy jumpy on the libertarian bandwagon because it doesn't it doesn't translate every time. It doesn't work well every time. And the Libertarian Party, as much as I you know, as much as I flocked to it and liked it at before the election and leading up to the election, 
the Libertarian Party, at the end of the day, is a party nonetheless. And I find this this problem with parties and with big groups of people, and this is why the system gets so messy, is that the Libertarian Party, at the end of the day, doesn't actually 100% represent me. It doesn't. It, it has the idea, the ideology has opened me up, has turned me into a different type of political person, for sure. However, the party doesn't always represent me. And there's some key disagreements I have with the party. For example, Austin Peterson, who just left the party and is running for Senate in Missouri under the GOP wing. Austin Peterson's a staunch uh, pro-lifer. He believes that pro-choice should be limited. He believes that the, the, the abortion should be limited to certain cases uh, and certain circumstances, not as a means of just everyday birth control, for example. Yet, Austin will tell you he's one of the most pro-liberty people that you will ever meet. And the fact of the matter is, is that he, he kind of is. He just takes a very emotional approach to the issue of abortion, which is a very emotional argument, which is going to be, by the way, it's not going the way of the dodo. It's going to be stuck stuck around for a while. People are going to be arguing about abortion for quite a while. That's just one key example. Another key example is that the, the Libertarian Party is dead against the death penalty, whereas I would say that I am not pro-death penalty, but I am not anti-death penalty. I am not take it off the books as an option completely. There are some heinous crimes that I believe, as long as you have 100% without a shadow of a doubt, know the person did it, that maybe it should be an option on the table. That's just another key difference in the platform that I have with the Libertarian Party. Now, Jason Stapleton and Nicholas Starwark in this last interview uh, four days ago got very heated uh, because Nicholas Starwark has been arguing with uh, Tom Woods and uh, the Mises Institute. Mises Institute is Austrian Economics, Freedom, and Peace. It's, it's, it's like another think tank type of thing, same vein as Cato Institute. Uh, and these, these, these sources are ones that kind of opened my mind. Uh, they're not... A lot of people tend to think that they're just like conservative, ultra-conservative things or not. They're not because they would tell you, like, why are we arguing over gay marriage? It's not the government's business. They're classic liberal types, if that makes sense. And that's something that's distanced me from the Libertarian Party, is uh, do I really want to toe the party line because somebody like Nicholas Sarwark leading the Libertarian Party has to toe the party line, so to speak. There's a party line, and and that's the that's the that's the sad part is that, at the end of the day, you think it's not a party. You think it's a good fight against the parties, and you want there uh, people like me want there to be a third party, but we're not going to get it when the arguments get so petty and little. But I'm getting ready to listen to that, and I would implore you to listen to that too. Uh, also, in the ever changing world, another podcast I'm listening to uh, when I wrap this up is John Ziegler did a podcast with uh, the president of Mercury Radio Arts that is a parent 
slash sister company of the Blaze, which the Blaze just had a couple of layoffs. They just let a couple of different uh, uh, employees go, uh, sadly. And John Ziegler talked with Mercury Radio Arts president, Jonathan Schrieber. And uh, I read some articles, uh, or I read some uh, hype, obviously. You have to hype up when you're posting something up. So I read up some of the hype, and uh, some of the things John Ziegler discussed with him is, uh, are the Blaze are the Blaze's choices and Glenn Beck's choice of not jumping on the Trump train bandwagon, is it costing them financially? Which is the speculation is that some of the people have to, you know, he had to lay off some of the people of the Blaze because uh, obviously the money's a little tight since you're not on on the Trump train, and this is something that I face. As a, I mean, I'm a private podcaster. That's that's it. You don't hear ads on this because I don't. I'm not syndicated like that. I don't pull in 500, 600, 700 listens or, or more per week. I don't have ads. I don't have that stuff. My outreach hasn't gotten that big yet, and that's because the money that I put into this, I put in money to the podcast so that I can you know, produce these episodes and put them up and distribute them to anybody that wants them freely. Uh, I don't get revenue off of it right now. I don't. Uh, It's not an endeavor that I can put my time into like that, considering I've got bills to pay and my other job is, you know, is what brings home the bread, so to speak. Would I like that? Would I like to get to that point? Yes, I absolutely would love to. And you know what's an uphill battle on top of that? I have political ideas that aren't the most popular. I don't like big government. I don't like Donald Trump. I'm this mixed bag of nuts that people can't figure out. They really can't. They don't understand me when I say, ah, big government's bad, blah, 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 blah. They're like, oh, typical conservative. But then I stand up and I say, gays should have the right to marry. Who cares what transgenders are doing? Why is it even a forefront of the conversation? And conservatives go, what a freaking liberal. What a liberal pansy. That's that's what that's the mixed bag that you get when you listen to Fritz. And you listen to Fritz cast. If you know what I mean. But that's gonna do it for the podcast itself this week. So I hope you guys enjoy the new looking logos and banners. I hope you're enjoying the new theme song, Let It Out by Jerrytown. Guys, keep your eyes peeled. There will be a new blog this week. And as always, I'll be back next week. I would love to get your feedback, comments, suggestions, whatever it is. On Twitter, at FritzQS, F-R-I-T-Z-Q-S. On Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheFritzCast. FritzCast.wordpress.com for the blog. And for all your other needs, FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com. Love you, and I'll see you all next week.